Who says women don't go to Letron.com? Congrats to Aster Tedese, the winner of the Koros Prediction Contest. Aster's from Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, originally lives in the U.S. now. She knows her distance running. She's getting a PhD in clinical psychology. Obviously very smart, but that's not what propelled her to the top of the contest. As she said, I love following the Ethiopian distance runners and beating my husband in your contest as he thinks he knows track and field. So it's official. Women are taking over the world and Let's Run.com and Addis Ababa, the distance running capital of the world if we didn't know it already. She gets a $500 Koros gift certificate. All of you can get a free accessory from Koros if you use code Let's Run at checkout. Koros has the lightest GPS watch in the world when it was produced. They have an Elliot Kipchoge edition. These are performance GPS watches. You can get the Kipchoge one for $199. I mean, this is great for teams. They have a training hub for coaches. Check it out. We have a recap up of the contest as well. We have a sports professor who got second, Alex Wolf Root. Colin Batchelor, who's the manager of the New York, New Jersey Track Club, and Seton Hall, third. Brandon Dimmers, day one Let's Run Supporters Club member, won the coaches division. Check out the recap article and go to Coros.com. Use code Let's Run to get a free accessory with purchase of a GPS watch. Thanks to Coros and thanks to everyone who played. Track and field fans, track and field is back. The Commonwealth Games are going on. The Under-20 championships are going on. The Diamond League will be back this weekend. Everybody's back except Jonathan Galt is still on vacation. This is Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson welcoming you to the Track Talk podcast, the best track and field podcast on the planet, joined by my genetic equal, Weldon Johnson. Weldon, I have a big announcement to make. Are you ready? Shoot me. I'm ready. Up until about two months ago, I thought I was immune to COVID. I thought I was one of those rare genetic people that would never get it. Then you got it. So then I thought, well, wait, if my twin brother's got it, that means I could get it. But over the weekend, my wife said, Robert, whatever you do, do not get COVID. We're about to go on vacation. So she didn't even want me to go to church. She wanted me to cancel all my indoor treadmill classes. And I've just tested positive for COVID in the last 15 minutes. Wow. Your mail counsel out there, we'd love to hear from you. 844-538-7786, 844-LET'S-RUN. Yeah, this is big because your wife is on the spectrum of COVID, very COVID paranoid. But now this is square up with your, I assume, pre-booked vacation. You guys have rented a house. Where is it? Is it Cape Cod? Yep. And she didn't even know I was going to the indoor treadmill classes. I told her I went on Sunday. She's like, oh, please cut that out. So I was going to skip the one this week. She didn't know I've been going for like months. So it's vacation on. You're supposed to see me in two days. I mean, uh, I'm assuming I have to quarantine for five days. Can they go without me? And then I can wow. drive up there in five days. If I hadn't announced it on the internet to the world via podcast, could I try to just fake like I didn't have COVID? I think that's what a lot of people are doing these days. 
I took my own daughter into the doctor yesterday. A guy came in. We started talking about COVID. He's like, don't get the little ones tested. <laughs> 10 days out from school, he said. No, everyone, follow the guidelines. Do what's in your conscience. Hey, I went down to the official state center test to get a test. I'm going to go. I, I'm going to be off here in 37 minutes because so, I get to take my son to get tested. Anyways. Let's have a good podcast at the end of the show, folks. We're going to have the hottest name in college track and field. Sean Brosnan, former coach, former high school superstar coach at Newberry Park. Giving up on the high school kids. He's moving up. No, I'm kidding, folks. He's, he's moving to the college ranks, UCLA. Weldon has interviewed him. Weldon, you were asking me you know, last night, what questions did you ask, Sean? And I, I started doing research about 20 minutes before your interview was starting. And I think your interview was already over when I realized, wait a minute, there's a thread on Let's Run that says that the unique, that the young brothers are currently in 1320 shape. Does he really think that? And why in hell, as someone said on the message board, why in the hell would you want to be in 1320 shape on August 3rd when you're a college high school kid? I did bring that up. You know, they're, he, he thinks even Nico couldn't run 1320 right now. He just thinks their fitness indicates that they can run 1320 this year. And the goal will be for, I think Lex was probably the most likely one to do it, to try to break Nico's junior record, under 20 record of 1324. That's the American record. He could break it this year as a high school senior. And I think he'd, he, I think he'd have a full another year to lower it even more. So it's not yeah. like Sean left with, you know, no bullets in the gun. He, this would have... This team could still be the greatest team ever this year, I think. I mean, what they did this past year, Robert, they had four guys under six, under four minutes for 1,600. Now, only one did it for the mile. But one high school team essentially has four four-minute milers. It's crazy. Well, did you put my name in the hat? I mean, I, I can coach the team remotely because the team will be better this year. Who's going to be the Andy Gerard of 2022? If you guys don't know who I'm talking about, Andy Gerard, now the currently the coach of George Mason. He was the assistant coach at Stanford. Vinland Anna left to go into his first retirement, or actually I think he became an athletic director at Oberlin 10 or 15 years ago. This is before he was at Oregon. And the assistant took over. It was Ryan Hall on that team, and I think they scored like 25 points at NCAA Nationals. It's absolutely amazing how good they were. So everyone's like, the team's going to fall apart. They're not going to fall apart. His wife is coaching the team. I'm sure you talked about that. So that's at the end of the show. Let's talk about some of the things, though, first, Walden, that happened last week. I think the big results here were the Ed Murphy Track Classic, part of the American Track League. My boy. What? I mean, wow. Robert's going to lead with Yared Nagus just because, but can we have a shout-out, Robert? In the big scheme of things, the Ed Murphy Track Classic means nothing. We can talk about it first because this is running one site. But the Commonwealth Games are underway. And holy crap, we're seeing what can happen with a track meet. They had 30,000 people, it looked like. I mean, portable stands, like they said they were going to do in Eugene, but they actually didn't build for Birmingham for the morning session. They just had heats of the 100 and heats of the 800. I'm like, oh, today, maybe they came out to see Kiwi Hutchinson because she was competing. Today, it looked packed again for the morning session. I mean, it's crazy. So we'll get to the Commonwealth stuff in a minute because there's some great Commonwealth action. But if you want to lead with Ed Murphy, go ahead. 
Well, it was a U.S. race. I also was going to criticize Paul Doyle, who we had on last week's show, a little bit because apparently this meet was on ESPN. Part of it on Saturday. Did you watch any of it, Weldon? Like they didn't. I looked at the schedule. There was a good 800 with Jonah Kowicz, who made the U.S. World's Team, and he won this race again in 144. That race was on five minutes before the TV window, 11:25. It looked like that the race came on, and they had like eight heats of the 100. Like they had junior heats, amateur heats, like. And I just read the, well, the Let's Run forum. I was like, someone's like, well, if you want to know why track is unpopular, this is the reason why. Like, how, why would anyone think that that's entertaining TV? Now, I didn't watch it. I didn't even bother to turn it on. I was on the forum reading about it, and I didn't even bother to turn it on. But it just seems weird. Like, we have people well-intentioned, people we respect. Why would you put that on TV? I don't know. I, I didn't see it either, but I checked the time schedule. I thought both 800s were supposed to be during the TV window. So I don't know if something happened. I, I can I try to get to... I apologize if I got it wrong to Paul. No, but I saw the thread too, but I didn't bother to look into it because it was over. It is what, what it was, but... Speaking of Paul, not... I still have Paul Doyle's back. I've written another article on Devin Allen. This was pretty interesting. One of the theories that I heard presented to me sort of off the record. A Jonathan Galt, it's a good thing he's not here. He's like, Robert, you can't talk about what's off the record, but was at, when I was at World Champs was, well, the U.S. people don't normally DQ for if it's a .099, they'll use some discretion and let them go back. So maybe people were tying their starts to these American starters. Well, that doesn't make any sense because a lot of the starters at Worlds weren't American, but even if that was true, I decided to research into it. So I looked at the start times for the Americans at USA's on the same track and Worlds on the same track. All 21 people started faster in their final world's race of worlds in their final race at USA's. And 20 of the 21 started in their first, the, the reaction time was faster at worlds in the first round than the final round of USA's. So clearly something amiss there, still doing that. But back to this Ed Murphy track classic. Mir Nagus wins, you know, 334. Hey, I, I'm just glad that he's racing. Like he was so bad in the USA final. I don't know what happened. He's just not healthy. I think it's important for him to just have a, run, a long season. This guy's, he missed the Olympics with the injury. Just, you know, you're not a college athlete anymore. There's no cross country to get reason ready for. See what you can do. Try to get that PB down. Just experience. I'm happy with that. But behind that, my boy, Evan Jager, 337.77, only ninth place. That was disappointing to me. And people are like, why are you talking about Jager? Because I want someone to be able to medal again. But if you're losing to Sean McGordy and you're only finishing ninth, I feel like you don't have to be the very best flat runner in the world to medal in this steeplechase, but you've got to be at least one of the better American flat runners, right? This isn't a good sign. Yeah, I was excited too because I saw Jager in the start list and I kind of thought the same thing. Like, I mean, we already probably know it, Robert. His best days are behind him. But you, you want to hold out hope. It's like as a kid, Jimmy Connors was still playing tennis. I don't know how old he was. I was really young. I thought, you know, he seemed like he was really old, like 40. He might have been like 30-something. Wow. And he would get out there and go on these runs at the USO, but it seemed great. I don't think he actually won the damn thing, but it seemed great as a kid. They all got excited. But you don't have to, in tennis or something, you don't have to be at your absolute physical peak. You can make up with it with skill and guile and trickery and psyching the other person out and running you can't do that so jager's run what 330 
one. Is that right, Robert? Two. We need Jonathan Galt in this podcast. And now he's, you know, ninth at some... This wasn't IW, or excuse me, World Athletic Silver Meet, but like, this isn't exactly the Diamond League. For the record, Jimmy Connors in 1991 at the age of 39 had a magical run to the U.S. Open City Finals. But you're right about that. Tennis, if you get lucky and the other person, you only have to beat one person every day. If that one person's sick, if they're having their period, I guess not many male tennis players are having their periods, but maybe nowadays they could be. Um, if they have COVID or whatever and you beat them, you move on. Whereas in running, it's kind of harder for that. But yeah, Evan Jager's 1,500-meter PB is 332.97 from 2015. So anyways, that's all I wanted to say about the 1,500. The women's 15 had a big result here. Sage Herda on Athletics Clubs, 4,179. Her PB was, you know, 4,05. So <clears throat> this just made me think... She probably should have run the 1500 USAs. I mean, I think she's ranked the same in the US in both events. Like, I think she's like the fifth fastest, maybe in both. But, like, what were the odds that she was going to beat the top three? The big three Raven, Ajay, Authing at USAs. Now, the weird thing is, if she made the team, she's probably more likely to make the final in the 800 than she is the 1500. But, anyways, good to see her doing well. It's sort of like the Kate Grace conundrum. You know, pick your poison. But, I mean, 401, Robert, you probably got to be better than that to make the team. Better fitness than that. But she's progressing well, and she's someone essentially, right, I have hope. She can be, hopefully, a U.S. champ and or better. You know, I want someone who can contend on the world level, and I'm seeing promising signs from her that she possibly could be that that type of athlete. You know, and then down the road, I mean, I shouldn't get ahead of myself, but her, if her and Joe Clacker have children, they're just dating, they're not married, but they're an item. Be a great combination of speed and endurance. But speaking of the 800 and Sage, she's running in Silesia, Poland. There is a Diamond League on Saturday. We'll, we'll touch on the Diamond League more in general, but I might as well mention it. She's taking on Raven Rogers and Ajay Wilson again. No one has heard from Ajay Wilson since Worlds. The only athlete, a really prominent athlete, who missed the mix zone. Total missed opportunity, but apparently she's healthy because they are all in the Diamond League meet in Poland on Saturday, as is Allie Wilson, Brooke Feldmeyer as well. So, and then the 50, we'll just, I guess let's just mention these people quickly quickly because it's this meets very good for American women's distance runners. Corey McGee, uh, Heather McLean, Josette Norris in the 1500 versus Gudolf Segay. Alicia Monson is in the 3K versus Taye and Sifan Hassan. And the 800, Robert, it's a good one. I think this is even non-Diamond League for men 800, but it's really good. We have Clayton Murphy taking on Bryce Hopple and world champion Emmanuel Career. Although I need to double check. I think that Emmanuel Career is running the 400 at Commonwealth. The final better be on Friday night. And I guess he could fly out Saturday morning. Let me, I'm going to double check that as, as we go on here. That should be a good one. If you want us to have a full breakdown of that, we can, I'm sure, be talking about that on the Friday 15, our bonus podcast for our supporting club members. Go to let'srun.com slash subscribe. 
We'll also be able to break down all of, all of the final Commonwealth Games action by then. Back to the stage, heard up her father, proud Cornell alum. Well, she'd sent her to Cornell. Surely we would have coached her up. But so I've emailed with, with him over the years, folks. Just I'm only one one connection away from greatness a lot of times. But well, no, I, I don't think you've even noticed one of your idols, one of your fellow competitors, guy that won in the Olympic trials that you competed in has signed up for the Supporters Club this week, and we just want to thank you. We don't want to mention names, but it's come in through the computer web the last day or two. John Kellogg was like, is this the same blank that won the blank, blank, blank? And since they're from a small state, we certainly assume it is. Oh, marathon trials I participated in? That might be correct. So, folks... If you want to do what the Olympic champions do, the Olympic Marathon Charles champions, if you want to win the Olympic Marathon Charles champions, sign up for the Supporters Club, and you might win as well. Well, you guys didn't even refund his money. Charge him full freight. Appreciate and he, by it. By the but... way, he ordered the blue, red, white, and blue shirts. The red, white, and blue are almost out. I'm going to order more, but those are by far the best. I know the yellow was the original, but should we just scrap the yellow? And you can only race in the yellow. That's what that should be. Yeah. The yellow is like, yeah, it's like our racing vest. It's like the Tiger Woods red. Let's run yellow. But yeah, I love wearing the blue one around town. People are emailing me shirts with the photos. Keep it up. Okay. One other thing about this Ed Murphy track classic. Nia Aikens, a lively league like you and me, Weldon, from Penn. Another 158. Good to see. But I'm sort of going all over the globe finding American distance running. Weldon says Ed Murphy track classic isn't necessarily the biggest meet in the world. Well, neither is the meeting Internationale de Atico Ligari Sport in Solidarity meet. It's a world continental tour meet that was in Lignano, Italy last on July 30th on Saturday. Some American names of note or American base names of note. Sintayu Vissa, the NCAA champion for Ole Miss. She's Italian, so she's running in her homeland. She won the 102.157. She also celebrated her birthday last year. So this is how she celebrated her last week. This is how she celebrated her birthday. Well, guess how old she is? 24. 25. Had a lot of older NCAA champions. This week with COVID and the extra years of eligibility. Anyways, in this meet on the men's side, Hobbs Kessler, the American under 20, 1,500-meter record holder, um, 334.36 PB. He finishes second, 336.99. That's so this is his second 336 of the year, but he's still 2.5 seconds behind his PB. Um, but he did beat the NCAA indoor runner-up in the mile and outdoor runner-up in the 5,000 Morgan Beatles scum. So I have two questions for you. One, well, then, one, do you think Hobbs Kessler will break his, eventually beat his PB this year? He's run 336 twice. Can he come off another two seconds in PB? And two, do you remember who won the NCAA 5,000? Try to embarrass you. It was another older person. And they were American. Okay, that that helped me. Thank you. Owen Hacker won the NCAA 5000 
He seriously might be like 26. Is that true? No, he's only 24, actually. Okay, that can't be right. <laughs> Got me all thrown off. Will he run out of 334, break his PRB this year? I want to say yes, but logic says no, so I'm going to have to go with no. This is a show of logic. But also, it makes me think, well, you got to do what makes you happy and what you think's best. But if you're a high schooler and some company comes and throws guaranteed multiple seven figures of money at you, take it. There's no guarantees in this sport. Take it. Maybe you can go to college or do whatever you want, but take the money. I think Hobbs made the right decision. I mean, he may be really great, but like it's, it's you know, he was so exciting, the shiny little object last year. And I think because his background, he had so little background in running. He was new to running the climbing. I think there is tremendous upside, but you don't know. I mean, it, it's it, it's placing a long-term bet. And Adidas likes to do that. And I think Hobbs and family were smart to take that money. To me, there's nothing that would replace being on a college cross-country team. I think that's special. But the amount of money he was offered. I mean, I, I still would like to ask Nick Willis, has Hobbs made more money already guaranteed than you will have, than you made in your entire career? I don't know the answer to that, but it wouldn't shock me if the answer was yes. But, you know, to me, Hobbs running 336, let's say he gets down to 335, so he's a second off. His PB, that's not bad. He had such an unexpected breakthrough last year. Um, you know, back when Ellen Webb was that age, Ellen runs the 353 mile. Then the next year in 2000, um, so he runs 353 mile in 2001. The next year he only ran, you know, if there's 353 mile is what, like a 335, 1500 or something like that, 334. He only ran 341. So Webb wasn't within five or six seconds. He really took a step back. Hobbs is the last, at least close to what he did last year. And Ronnie keeps acting like Ron Warhouse that he's going to PB. So, you know, we'll have to see if that's actually um, true or not. But again, this is a, he reminds me a lot of like, um, you're in the goose in the sense of, I'm just glad that he's racing. There's a lot, there's a, if he, if he's excited and motivated mentally, there's, he's got six weeks probably where he could try to PR and just get the experience of racing late in the season. You know, again, he's not like someone that's going to be having a, a, a cross-country season. He's a professional now. He, You know, that means if you're a miler, you race through Fifth Avenue mile in my book. So be able to race, what, first, second week of August? Excuse me, September. All right, before we talk a little bit about the Commonwealth Games and the World Under 20s, I only got 15 minutes left, Weldon. And get to the Sean Brazos interview. Well, there's another result that I saw last week that caught my eye. The Bix, I think it's a seven miler. Fino O'Keefe and Patrick Tiernan won the races, $7,000. It's Fiona O'Keefe's having a pretty good year. 1531 in college, former Stanford runner. She's run 1505. I bumped into Alistair Craig and Amy Craig when I was at Worlds in Eugene. Um, and was very impressed by them. Um, you know, there's a lot of these groups you never hear of. Like Puma's got a group now based in North Carolina that they're coaching. And you don't hear about that. We didn't hear about the Brooks Beast for a long time. Or, you know, it's, it's because a lot of these groups just don't have the top talent. And unless you're at the very, very top of the pro ranks, people don't pay attention to you too much. But, you know, I was just asking them about like, 
well, how had you guys pick North Carolina? And they're like, oh, we did like a, we, we really wanted to look for play. They did, they did like some sort of algorithmic search for like the right weather combined with like the right size of the town, affordability for the runners. It's pretty well thought out. So good to see it, you know, uh, uh, Fiona running so well. And Patrick Tiernan, you know, when I saw this result, I was like, this guy, you know, he made the Olympics last year, but doesn't make the Worlds this year in the 10,000. And I'm like, thinking to myself, I feel like people should run pro, but how long do you keep running pro? Like, do you eventually stop and move on? I mean, if you're loving it and enjoying it, but a lot of these times, these guys aren't making that much money. You could probably make more in the business world. So do you move on to something else? And I'm like, he's not even making the worlds. What's the point? But I really think Patrick Tiernan needs to move up to the marathon. And I think there's a real good point of doing that. I mean, this is a guy that's super fast on the track. Patrick Tiernan kind of reminds me a little bit of, of Edward Cheserick. Like, again, unless you're one of the top guys in the world, you're not that relevant in the pro scene. I mean, I guess you make the Olympics and that's exciting, you know, in Tiernan's case. But unless you move to the marathon, it's like, you don't move the needle that much. But if he moves to the marathon, could he break the Aussie record? Rob DiCastello, I don't know if you consider this a record because he ran it in Boston. 1986, he ran Boston and won it in 207.51. Where the official Australian record, Steve Monaghetti, 208.16 from Berlin, 1990, which he also won. So could he break a time like that? I mean, I think the obvious answer is yes. It's crazy. These Australian records, I mean, they've lasted forever. Like Peter Bowl finally got the 800 record. He's running Commonwealth. I'm kind of surprised Tiernan's not running something at Commonwealth, right? But I don't think he ran the Australian champs this year for whatever reason. Or maybe he ran the 10K back, at, but was that probably in December? Just looking at his results from 2022. But actually, he didn't. Yeah, I think... If you're a 10K type, I mean, the marathons, it's, yeah, you can easily stay much more relevant. But if you're in Australia, Robert, he's the best in Australia, I guess, which he's not anymore. You know, you can stay relevant and you're 15th in the world, but you don't move the radar internationally. I think going for the Australian record would be an obvious next step for him. I, I was thinking, though, I'm like, oh, he's too big to be a marathoner. He seems huge. I looked up his height and weight. So that's exactly what my height and weight was. He's listed at 68 kilograms, which is 149 pounds. I was a little bit less than that in my racing days. But normally I was like 148. But if I go for a run, I'd weigh like 142. He's 183 centimeters, which is just over six feet. So. Yeah, that's crazy. He looks very tall. And... and Maybe because we grew so late, I don't think of ourselves as being that tall, but he's essentially us. Or us, what, tw 25 pounds ago? And speaking of people getting on with their lives or not getting on their lives or getting jobs, Robert, did you see the news out of the Atlanta Track Club today? No, I did not. Jonathan Davis, who was the... Surprised second place finisher at USATFs in the 1500 and then ran, you know, a slow race. So people are like, okay, whatever. You know, what was he at NCAs? Like eighth, tenth, or something? 
kind of a non-factor at NCAs. Then gets second at USA's. Then runs 333 at 81. And this guy was supposed to be getting a CPA job. He signed with the Atlanta Track. Wow. Yeah, I mean that's good. He signed with the Atlanta Track Club, Robert. Joining their program, and, and that group's starting to, you know, as you said, some of these more nascent groups till they get some good talent or names. You don't hear that much about them, but you know they had Shane Strike indoors, Allie Wilson, Olivia Baker indoors. Allie Wilson's doing great outdoors. Now they signed Jonathan Davis. And I wrote Jay Holder, the communications guy. I'm like, wait, so does this mean the consulting job's gone? Of course, he can try to work on the side because I know the Atlanta Track Club people work on this. A lot of them you know, work with the Atlanta Track Club. They do volunteering or they work in the, the administration. And he's like, yeah, he'll probably join like the finance group at the Atlanta Track Club. So I think that's a good model to have. People can run and they can focus on their running maybe half the day. And the other day they can still develop their skills post running because you know as much we hate this old, old amateur era but a lot of people they're not that far from being an amateur in our sport right there's not a ton of money unless you're a superstar well i think it's good you know we've got a world's next year in olympics and then another world so yeah, he's two years in the next olympics give it a go he's young give it a go man i just i don't know for people like hanging on in their early 30s that when they're past their prime unless they really love it or but you don't want to have regrets. All right. I'm glad people are paying attention to the Commonwealth Games because it's just good to see track popular. I still can't believe that there's tens of thousands of people watching heats of stuff. Blows my mind. Because I was like looking at some of these results, like Jessica Stinson. It's kind of a cool story. This woman has gotten two other medals from Australia. She wins the Commonwealth Games 227.31. But I'm like, isn't this kind of like just a gold medal because nobody else decided to run it? I mean, her PB is 225.15. She's a decent, pretty good runner, but there's tons of Kenyan runners that could beat her. They had raced it. Um, you know, like men's, men's 10,000. Jacob Caplimo, I mean, he's damn good. He wins it, but his PB was like a minute better than everybody else. Well, that's not true. I guess Kibo Candy was in there, right? <laughs> Correct. But, you know, Joshua Chapter guy doesn't run it. I, mean, I guess it's like anything. You only can beat the people that are raced up. But um, some of the races aren't that loaded. You know, I guess a marathon and a summer championship isn't that loaded. But then some of them are absolutely loaded. Like this men's 1500, you've got Timothy Chariot. You've got all the Brits. So you've got Josh Curry. You get Jake Whiteman, the world champ. Plus you get guys that, that, that like... Um, didn't make the team, like Jake Hayward, you know. Um, you have Ollie Hoare, who bombed out of Worlds in the first round. Like, was that just a one-off? Was that, like, his Josh Kerr? Remember, Josh Kerr only got into the final, got out of the first round of Worlds on time. Like, was he just off that one day just a little bit? Is he going to rebound? Like, this 1500 is almost as good as the Worlds 1500, to be honest. You know, I guess it doesn't have, it doesn't have Inga Britson. I shouldn't say it's almost as good. It doesn't have Inga Britson. It doesn't have... Mario Garcia, Romo, stuff like that. But I'm really excited about it. So what day and time is that so I can try to watch it? Well, we have a guide to the Commonwealth Games up. I could double check. I'm going to go with Sunday for the final. It's either Sunday or Saturday. The Commonwealth Games is crazy, Robert. They have morning sessions on Saturday and Sunday. 
And at the time, I'm like, oh, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Having two sessions on the final days, nobody goes to morning sessions. I don't know from tickets there was. And other people pointed out, Robert, when World's Ticket to the USA's went out, like they showed a lot of tickets sold out. And that meet was only sold out maybe for two days, Saturday, Sunday. So I don't know if they didn't release enough tickets to the public, but something was up with the ticketing in Eugene. And obviously there wasn't a huge demand. But yeah, the Commonwealth, I mean, for distance running perspective, I mean, the the men's 15 and the women's eight are the best events. Because uh, you got... Well, Keely Hodgkinson and the eight, Laura Muir, Natoya Gould, it's really good. And the 15, as you said, completely, totally loaded. Oh, reminds me, Robert, Women's 10K is underway. I should, I should fire up my VPN. If you need a VPN, we recommend NordVPN. Go to letsrun.com slash VPN to check it out. Get a 30-day money-back guarantee. And... On the 10K yesterday, Robert, it came down to three guys. Candy got dropped on the last mile. And then Kiplimo kicks kicks away the final lap. He only runs like 50, might have been 58, 59, the final lap. He wins easily. Um, I mean, the cr- crowd pictures were just amazing. It really was a cool just atmosphere. I mean, just packed to see a stadium like that. And did you know, Robert, that his brother... He's got two brothers who are runners. The winner of the marathon, Commonwealth Games, which you just disparaged, Victor Kipling got. He's like a mountain runner. He's also Jacob Kiplimo's brother, and they're both now Commonwealth Games champions. I didn't I didn't disparage him. I didn't mention him. I disparaged the women's marathon. He's that I didn't know that's his brother. That's ridiculous. I was looking up his PBs. He's legit. Can't believe he ran this. 5926 half marathon. 205.09 in the marathon. He's only 22 years of age. Just think about that. It's, it's, he's viewed as like a C team in the Caplimo family talent level. And he's a 205 flat guy. By the way, I, I'm currently in queue right now to buy Commonwealth Games tickets. You go to the website, it says you're in queue, and there's like a little guy that's running across the screen. You have to wait like five minutes. Once it pops up, I will be able to purchase tickets for the final. I'm going to see how much they are. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm interested in seeing what some of these Ethiopian, particularly the women, like this this 17 year old steeplechaser, what does he do here from Kenya? And I think the women's 5,000 meter winner from the Kenyan trials is in the Commonwealth, but wasn't at Worlds. What does she do? I mean, Candy, him getting dropped, it's weird. He won the Kenyan trials, but he didn't do great here. And then. Stanley, Stanley Waithiko, who, who lost the Kenyan trials, did great at Worlds. So, you never know. I mean, running in the altitude is not necessarily as running the same as do, sea level. Do we need to issue a formal apology to World Athletics for raising a fit when we keep you can't do a, couldn't run Worlds because he didn't have a qualifying time and we no, essentially wanted to have a black this, page? Like, people are saying, like, oh, you're not mad about, you wouldn't be outraged about Devin Allen if, if it was, uh, you know, a, a Nigerian or Toby Amazon. I, I go, it would be all right. What, what is right is, was, it's not that it takes an American for us to get no, to notice it, but things should be done properly. The winning of the Kenyan trials should be into the meat. People should not be 
eating foods yes. and then sometimes getting off because it's contaminated and sometimes not getting off because it's contaminated. Like, I'm just Agreed. consistency. And I need to write an article on this, but I think the Commonwealth Games are showing this. The World Championships showed this the opposite way. But people can relate to certain things in certain countries with our sport. Like the Olympic trials, that gets people. That's why everyone actually was going to Eugene, because the word Olympic trials is attached to it. Not because they're into track or into Eugene. They got a family member or something, they can all relate to the Olympics. That's why they were there. Because the world, they weren't there. Commonwealth Games, I guess it still means a lot in Britain. People pile out. So it's, but, it, it's like the tribe. It's kind of interesting. It's like the tribalism. Like it's like, oh, we're Scotland, we're England, we're Wales. You know, we're, we're, what if we had like a, well, I shouldn't say that would be a poor joke. If I said a. We could have a state competition. It doesn't have to be like the South versus the North. Yeah, Jesus. South versus the North, the Confederate Games. That would be sick. But um, no, that is interesting. We were talking about this on our Monday conference call at Let's Run. Like, to, we definitely think, we thought about this. The Olympic trials is a way bigger meet in America, even than the world championships. Like people said, it was the world is going to be huge. But like, think about the way we, someone, Eric, our web program was like, look, the world championships are going right now, I think, on swimming or in gymnastics. Do you care at all? No. If you're an average person, you don't care about the world in those sports. You only care about the Olympics. So, and, and it, I think that, yeah, like if you're the average person, Olympics, Olympic trials, both or like Olympics is like 20 times important. Olympic trials is like 10 times as important. I mean, Walton would be on planes and he'd tell people, I'm going to Olympic trials. Like, oh my God, you're in the Olympics. It's so right. awesome. Like, congratulations. I'll be watching for you on TV. He's like, no, I'm in the trials. I'm trying out. They're like, we don't care. I mean, it was just like, if you, whereas if you told them you're a runner, they didn't understand that, but they understood the Olympics. So I was thinking about why the attendance wasn't good. Like, at Worlds, it just doesn't mean as much as a lot of other meets, but it's very interesting that people are into the Commonwealth Games just like, Maybe it's because they get to represent their, their smaller countries, people are into it, stuff like that. Yeah, there's some tiny little countries. I mean, I saw some 12-second sprinters. But just a reminder to the World Athletics people, do not kill the Olympic marathon trials. We still don't have a trials candidate announced. Top three across the line in the U.S. should be on the team because we'll have three qualifiers. Qualifying for these things needs to be by country protecting the trials. Do not kill... One of the two best meets in America. Yeah, I agree. I don't know how many times we have to reach this? I guess we have to write articles on this because they do read our stuff, but it's just sort of obvious. All right, well, then I'm going to let you do the rest of the show by yourself. I don't know if anything else you want to say. Wait, what? Yeah. I said I want to leave so I can get to the Baltimore City County. I want to get an official COVID test for my son by four. If I don't leave now, I'm not going to be oh. there by four. Wait, what am I? Wait, what else did you want to talk about? I had a couple of things. Um, this is my Willis Reed game. I'm sick, folks. Have I been off my game? Are Lex and Leo really in 1320 shape? If someone said, How would he know what a 1320 shape is? He's never coaching on a 1320. There was an interesting that? high school coach who said, Well, I think a lot of times high schoolers early in their career aren't good at thresholds. So if he's basing that off their summer threshold work, their threshold work. Sometimes your workouts, this is true, sometimes your workouts catch up to your race performances. Sometimes when you're younger, you race better relative to your workouts than you do when you get older. Your, your workouts catch up to that, which is interesting. Um, oh, I, I was going to have you guess this. The New York Roadrunners, their club team championships were held last week in Central Park. You have a club team of 10 people. And the Central Park Track Club 
Sauce Tracksmith won the men and the Brooklyn Track Club won the women. Here's my guess for you. Guess what the 10 man average for 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 um five miles was for men and women. Central Park is pretty good. I'm gonna go with twenty six thirty. I was gonna go faster, but twenty six thirty. And then so women, gosh, ten. 29.30. Walden has disrespected all these people. 25 flat for the men and 28.38 for the women. It's kind of interesting. They didn't even have that many people over like under 25 flat. Like they had like a bunch of like 20, 25, 40. Then I guess they just, it's just, it's a lot of range. It's like, you know, who, who is she's kind of ex, probably ex-college runners and they're all banging out between 24.30 and 25.30. Wow. Well, congratulations that is pretty to the good. winners. I, I just I wasn't sure just if I should start like around twenty five. Then I'm like, no, I got to go slower. Oh, but and by the way, Century Park is it's, that's my honorary track club. That is the one I would join. I actually went to their annual banquet one year when I lived in New York. Well, but good I felt for you. Like and these are my now people. affiliated with Tracksmith, which is was started by your college teammate Matt Taylor. Speaking of which, like Taylor won the Kiwi New Zealand Cross Country Championships last week. Just throwing that out there. If he's unsponsored, I think the Tracksmith and Matt Taylor must sponsor him. Just out of... Oh, a different Matt Taylor one? Affinity for the name, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Hopefully I'm still alive from Friday. Well, I'm going to try to bring this home. I want to mention something at the Under-20 Championships. Also, oh, wait, Robert. Well, he's gone, people. We, I've got a conspiracy theory. This will be interesting, side note here, because I was just wondering, could I ever do a podcast by myself? And I concluded no. I honestly was thinking that like an hour before because Robert was dragging on, getting COVID tested today. And I was like, if he can't do it, am I going to try to do it by myself? And I was like, it'd be boring. But hey, we're live, we're on air, you got to keep on going. And... We need someone to go on the dark web and check this out. I guess I could probably just post and let's run. But I was, I knew Emmanuel Career was running the 400 at Commonwealth. So I've seen him on entry list. I did not wake up at 5 a.m. to watch the morning session in Birmingham. And I, knew, I was like, wait, when is the 400 final? And it's after the Silesian Diamond League meet, which I'd seen him entered in today. So then I'm like, wait, how is he doing both? And I go check. Emmanuel Career had a lane violation in lane round one of the Commonwealth Games 400 meters. So, I mean, should I go full-fledged conspiracy without looking this up? But it seems kind of suspicious. Was he already entered in the Silesia meet? Or did they quickly enter in the two hours once he got DQ'd? Or was this like a backup entry in case something happened to him at Commonwealth Games? I guess if anyone knows when Emmanuel Crew was actually entered in the Silesia Poland Diamond League meet, let me know. But as a fan of top-level pro track, I'm way more excited that he's running. I wanted to see actually what he did in the 400 of Commonwealths, but I'm way more excited that he's running the 800. The Silesia meet's great with Hoppel, Murphy, and him. Great from a U.S. perspective. Great overall that they'll get to take on the world champion. I think this is going to be a huge race for Clayton Murphy. You know, was he sulking at home? 
Or did he be like, holy shit, I'm at a pivotal moment in my career. I got to get this thing back on track. He's still got hope. I mean, 2024 is only two years away. So these guys, if you're good this year, you can be good in two years. But otherwise, that's it for him. Okay, the other big meet we need to talk about here is the under-20, formerly the junior championships, taking place in Cali, Colombia. And the juniors, they're always sort of an interesting meet in the Let's Run sort of lexicon because there's a few people who come through there. You know they're going to be big stars, like the Bolts of the world. And then others, you're just like, wait, what's going to happen with them? The success at the junior level, it gives a good indication of success at the next level, but it really doesn't guarantee anything. And from a U.S. perspective, distance perspective, which is our focus this year, the race of the championships, women's 800, or their two American stars, Juliet Whitaker, who broke Mary Kane's high school record this year, and Rosen Willis, they're both into the final, which is tonight. And I think there aren't there like child labor laws throughout the world? Because this is the third, I thought the final couldn't be tonight. This is the third straight day they're racing. The championships started on Monday. There's first round. Semi-final yesterday. And final today. I mean, for if you're going to have senior athletes a day off, shouldn't you give junior athletes at least a day off? I think they should be racing less often than seniors. But hey, this isn't, you know, 1940 where women couldn't run more than 800 meters. But just in general, I don't think they should run three days in a row. And on paper, the two Americans are the favorites for the final. I mean, they're the only two under, well, actually, there's only three people under 201. Whitaker's run 159.04 this year. Willis has run 25.03. And Audrey Vero of Switzerland has run 2.28. But, you know, this isn't guaranteed in the semis. Whitaker had the exact same time as Abigail Ives, who won the heat from Great Britain, 201.88. So, and then both of them, you know, they skipped, both Whitaker and Willis skipped USAs to run the junior meet, which I think was a smart move. As good as the U.S. was at 800 this year, there was no chance they'd make the team. I mean, sometimes you can advocate getting experience at the world, at the senior level, but no. Try to succeed at this level first. And the U.S. has done tremendously well at 800 at World Juniors the last decade. A woman by the name of Ajay Wilson was your champion in 2012. 2016, Sammy Watson, remember her? USA was a champ. Isla Miller, I think she won NCAAs or was runner up at NCAAs. Sammy Watson won NCAAs early on in her career at Texas A&M. You know, just both those names are guaranteed. There's doing well at this meet doesn't mean anything as a senior. Ajay obviously has had tremendous success, but Sammy has really struggled as a pro. Yeah. Thing get a lot of publicity in social media yesterday. Botswana's Letsile Tobogo. I guess I need to learn how to say this name because he's one of the names you will remember from World Juniors. 
He set a World Junior under 20 record running 9.91, smoked the field. And the announcer said he was celebrating 40 yards from the finish. Not true. Probably about 20. I don't honestly think it slows him down that much. He's just kind of pointing to the side, looking back because they're behind him. So I think he would have broken 9-9, but I don't think he would have run like 9-8-0 or something like that. But, I mean, this guy's the real deal. He'd already run 9-94 this year. That was at World Seniors. I mean, he made the semis at World Seniors. Didn't run that well in the semi, running 10-17, but... Now he lowers it to 991. Can't say it's just a Hayward track. And there's a World Juniors class because of COVID as well. He won that one. And speaking of Tobogo, wow. He ran a 1999 today in the first round of the 200. I mean, he did it this morning. I'm just checking his results to see if he's doing something else. That's crazy. He's got a semi and a final to go. This guy's just having some fun, man. His previous PB, 2026 to win the African champs. Hey, back to these Commonwealth games. You guys didn't know you were going to get maybe some live broadcasting here. Oh, this can't be the bell. Oh, they're running. Oh, 800 to go. 800 to go. Irene Cheptai, former World Cross Country champ. With Iwish McColgan right on her heels. I thought Iwish McColgan was hurt. So good performance by her. The 100-meter finals are tonight as well. By the time you, definitely by the time you hear this, this podcast, that'll be already done. But as I said, let's run.com slash VPN. You need a VPN. Okay, guys, I'm going to try to stall for time as this 10K ends. I'll keep live broadcasting. But up next is Sean Brosnan, former coach of Newberry Park. I mean, just done an amazing job there. We're at the bell, the 10K. And, you know, everyone kind of assumed, oh, maybe this means the Young Brothers and Solomon are going to go to UCLA like it's a package deal. And he's like, no, that's not the case. The Young Brothers essentially, sounds like they've made up their decision. They're going to announce it soon, or I've almost made it up. He's like, I told the UCLA coach, you know, don't think they're coming with me. Um, You know, maybe... Aaron Solomon could change his mind. Colin's going to NAU. And that's where Nico goes. goes great success there. Kind of reading between the lines. I think the Youngs probably aren't going to go join their brother. But that's not certain. But interesting to hear. Oh, holy on. We've got 100 meters to go. i got to pump up the volume here. She's beaten a former World Cross Country champion to do it. This is the performance of her lifetime. All that work, all those miles for all those years. And she has become the Commonwealth champion. That was spectacular. Kipritish takes the bronze, but it's McColgan who takes the headlines here. That was incredible. Wow. I might play a longer clip for that. I didn't I didn't hear the sound before then, but probably the last 200 was great because she came from behind. Great run by her. 
And hey, I thought English people didn't cheer for Scott, but they do if this Scott has a you know Scottish mother who's done great success for Britain. How does that work? Fake Josh Kerr, give us a call. Fake fake Josh Kerr, hope you're happy right now. Scotland takes one home. Great run, but I wish she was. When she, yeah, she was kind of disappointing at World. I figured she was hurt. There's no way I saw her on the start list. I'm like, well, she can't do anything at this meet because her hamstring's not 100%. But man, these crowds are amazing at Commonwealth Games. They got some great overhead sort of aerials. Nice sunset. We might need to have a Worlds in Birmingham. I mean, clearly a 50,000 seat stadium is no longer required. Delicious up in the stands, hugging her mom now, I think that is. I contributed my part today. Irene Sheptai is Wikipedia and say she was a world-class country champion. I updated Wikipedia, I think, for the second time ever. But back to Sean Brosnan. He's realistic about UCLA. Obviously, he wants to do well, but he's not expecting... He's going to be the assistant coach. He's not expecting to get all the scholarships. They're not going to go exclusively distance. They can have some national contenders start making NCAs in cross country. That's the immediate goal. People on the Dutch runner are like, oh, Sean Brosnan's so cocky. He's good. When you get success, you sound cocky. You know, he said, what, I think four guys could run 830 this year. One of his guys did, but they came close. You know, if a couple guys got, one of the guys got COVID this year. I mean, they could, these guys could have run even faster than they did, which is crazy. Big picture for me for how good they were this year. Lex Young, who was number two cross country, maybe number three in the track. Nico's little brother. Nico was considered one of the best runners ever in high school. He ran 348-1500, which is like a 405-406 mile and 756, I think. Lex has already run 401, 757, and 1343. I mean, when it's all said and done, is Lex Young going to be considered the fastest high school runner ever? He'll probably have the high school 5K record, 3K record, and be a sub-four-minute miler. So congrats to Sean. All success in Newberry Park. Good luck to him at UCLA. Here he is. Thanks for joining us. Next week, hopefully the gang is back together. And Supporters Club members will be previewing the Diamond League meet on Poland more on Friday's podcast. Have more from the Commonwealth Games. We'll break down the 800 at the under-20s. Track and field action is back after a week post-longs world's lull. Thanks for listening. Man, just seeing these Eilish McColgan video of the finish gives me goosebumps. All right, here's Sean. We're joined by Sean Brosnan, formerly the head coach of the Newberry Park High School. He was just named yesterday as the new assistant cross-country and track coach for the UCLA Bruins. What, ta- what Sean did at Newberry Park, what his team did, was unprecedented. Until this year, he was most known for his boys' team winning the NXN national title and for Nico Young, one of the all-time greats at the high school ranks, where Nico ran 7.56 and 348 for 1500 but if you thought that was good sean's team took it to a whole new level this year they went one two three four at the state meet in california totally unprecedented and then on the track this year 
they make Nico Young's times pedestrian. I mean, Leo Young or Lexion, both of them, the two younger brothers, only juniors in high school, have already run 401 and 835. That's for Lex in 13:43. Four flat and 839 for Leo. That's unbelievable. And then you have Colin Solomon, who ran 356 for the mile, 8:33. His younger brother Aaron, 148 and 401. The girls' team, I think, Sean set the four by 1600 national all-time record. You had a state title on the girls' side, three state titles on the boys' side. Am I missing some of the major accomplishments? First of all, Sean, congratulations on the new job. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's it's well, we just we were talking. Yeah, it's hard to sometimes keep track of like the records in a way because some of them are, are are you know more important than others to the kids and stuff. But yeah, I mean. We just had a lot of success, uh, even on the girls' side. Uh, you know, um, you know, um, Samantha McDonald running four thirty eight for a full mile. I think that's pretty pretty good high school time. And you know, the girls breaking the four by sixteen, and the guys just running, you know, thirteen forty three four flat. We technically, because all the races that we ran the mile that a sixteen hundred split. I think we had four guys under four minutes for a sixteen hundred this year. So we had a three fifty four. And we had a 359, 359, 359. So it's pretty, pretty cool that they were able to do that. We were saying on our podcast that I'm like, they could have four sub four miles for one high school team, which I think it's unbelievable. Well, I don't, I guess I should say we'll never see anything like it, but we've never seen anything like it. It's crazy because, uh, you know, people, I don't, you get criticism on Let's Run. People love to bring down people at the top. It's crazy because this is the most successful high school team ever. I mean, there's been great high school coaches in the past. Doesn't necessarily mean maybe you're the best coach ever. How long have you been at Newberry Park? Um, six years. Yeah, six years is when I, yeah, so it's 2016. Uh, so I, this, this would have been my seventh. Now the pandemic, we missed a year, but I count that because we were still training and stuff, you know, when we could, so. yeah. Without COVID, you'd probably be three or four-time national champion. It's unbelievable. Let's talk about UCLA first, and then we can talk about some of the high school stuff. At UCLA, you're going to be coaching the men and the women, right? Yeah, the men and the women. Yeah, the all the uh, distance squad. So I'm pretty excited about that. And it seems, as an outsider, it seems like a perfect opportunity. You don't have to move. It's a very prominent school, great academics. Recently, they haven't had great distance success, but they've had Mev Kofleski. I mean, it's UCLA, right? It's one of the greatest track programs ever. Like, kind of tell us how it came about you going to UCLA and what prompted you to leave. Because the other thing is, if we thought this last year was good, you guys could have just completely rewritten the record books. They may. Your wife's going to take over and help coach, but <laughs> three of those guys are juniors. So coming back, they got one more year. So, yeah, I mean, they. It, Obviously, the, the plan wasn't 100% to like, okay, I want to leave and, and give college a try this year. It was in the uh, back of my mind for, for a little bit, last couple of years. Um, even um, uh, coach professionally, uh, there were some opportunities that came real close for me to, to work with certain groups and stuff. And um, things almost happened that way. And I was always really honest with my top athletes so they knew what was happening. Um, it wasn't like I was sneaking around the corner trying to interview or talk to people. but at the same time, like the saying is like, oh, life is about timing and sometimes you can't control it. So 
the UCLA thing came pretty quickly and, and happened pretty fast. And, you know, I knew they were obviously looking for a coach. And when I got to sit down with the uh, director and, and head coach, um, Avery Anderson, um, I just think it, it, it seemed to make sense. And everything, you know, kind of fell into place and fell into place pretty quickly. And I think, you know, he got to know me, I got to know him. And I think it just, like I said, it made sense. And I, I did not know this was going to be the direction going. I actually went up to Big Bear with my guys for four weeks, uh, Newberry Park, um, thinking we were going to have the season and I was going to be the head, head coach. But when it comes like this, it's like, UCLA is not going to wait for me if they come around. I always joked and told, you know, my wife, like a, a place like UCLA would be an amazing place because they have to move. Um, it's only, it's just under 30 miles. It's a little bit of a commute for now, but it's not bad. And yeah, I think the opportunities there, um, from all aspects of it. Yeah. They're probably known a little bit more for sprints and, and jumps and throws and stuff right now, but, um, they've definitely had success in the past and, you know, we, they've had guys running the 1330s and not that long ago, and they've had really fast 800 guys and women that are running fast 800s. And I just think they need something right now maybe something a little different and and yeah i'm i'm excited to uh to help them uh you know get back in the top of the nca hopefully in distance did they make a commitment to you to sort of make a commitment to distance running so much of i would say college running more so than high school right is about recruiting giving scholarships to athletes was there any discussion like hey am i going to get the scholarships i need to build a successful program yeah, I mean, they didn't they didn't give me like specific numbers, but we did talk about that. And and it, it's enough that we could make the program work. I mean, we're not getting, you know, 10 out of 12 scholarships for distance, of course. And, you know, maybe there's some distance programs that do that. And that's great. But there are definitely ways to, to make it work. And that was that was part of the discussion. And yeah, he, I think that um, I don't think I would have taken a job that I didn't think that um, we can't be like up nationally ranked in one of the top programs. You know, it's not going to happen in a, in a year, but it's going to take a little and we'll get there. You know, I mean, I even the, the, the men and women that I'm working with now, I talked to for the first time yesterday. So I never um, I don't you, you know, I, I it's it's I have to go from what they're doing right now and then make the adjustments to hopefully help them get a lot better or where they want to be or, or close to their goals. So it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment. It's not like I got the job. I think even in June would have been great because it would have been like we could have got into the training right away where I think maybe they they should be. But um, no, I had some good conversations about that. And I think that um, I, I believe that, you know, UCLA is going to be a, uh, a top distance program. I mean, you know, I, I'm not saying we're going to be 100% distance. We're not, but we're going we're gonna to be a program that I think would be good. I think that's realistic. It'd be crazy for people to think, oh, he's going to immediately come in and, you know, make UCLA NAU or something overnight. That's, right. Nobody can do that. But I guess, you know, part of your success at Newberry Park has been the culture you've built. Did you talk to the team about the culture you want to build at UCLA or, or do you have more explicit goals on what you want to accomplish as a collegiate coach? Yeah, I do. I mean, right now, I pretty brief with them and it was just like more of an introduction and you know, I kind of went over some core values that I think in training, um, you know, but I'm learning more what they've been doing. Um, and, you know, I, I'm going to make adjustments to that for sure. You know, I, I think like most colleges um, out there, I think, and most high schools are, are similar, not maybe the training, but the 
mentality of what like you 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 need to do in order to be the best at that level like the nc well you need to be the best at the nca i i think it's pretty clear like the the sacrifices and what you need to do just like i think it's pretty clear if you want to be the top high school team you got to have guys running low four minutes if not breaking four and you have to have girls running under 440 and so forth same thing with um you know college it, i know it's easier said than done but um i think if we get these these men and women aboard and believing and committed that we're going to put the right people in place to set the boundaries and the standards and say hey this is what we're going for i, I get it doesn't happen it didn't happen overnight at newberry park even though it seemed like it was fast my first year and a half was a real struggle to try to get everybody to believe and and it happened and then once it does you know and the, and the new people coming in are believing in that program that you're creating i think it could go to do some pretty good things. And there's some great kids. There's some great uh, men and women on that team right now that are ready and want to run fast. And, and, and I'm excited about that. Sean, back in some point during COVID, I think we had you on the podcast. I'll link to that in the show notes because you talked about your start in coaching and how you get there. And I think that's a good story, but we don't need, need to redo that. But I remember one thing you said is in year one in Newbury Park, you thought about like, maybe I should just quit which is kind of crazy. So I'm glad you didn't. But I think, you know, it shows very successful people. Success doesn't come easy, right? I had to struggle for them. those first years in Newberry Park. Do you think that'll be helpful for you at UCLA sort of remembering, hey, this wasn't easy? I do. I mean, I, I, I think, like I was saying, there's going to be a different, you know, I'm, I'm coming in with maybe different from what they're used to. Um, they're going to have to kind of want to accept it. And then I'm also going to have to be open to like the type of athletes that they are because they're technically not athletes I recruited. I mean, and they they seem like great people, but so I have to learn about them and, you know, and, and they're going to have to learn about me. And I think that's one of the the great things about coaching. You know, obviously you have to be as individual as possible, but I do get it's a team. It's really hard to have, you know, I don't know the exact roster in the top of my head, but let's say you have 40 people, you know, you have 20 guys and 20 um, you know, 20 men and 20 women, how are you going to individualize all that? It, it's almost impossible. But I think the biggest thing is getting this culture that like they are willing to put a little bit of sacrifice in there to be on that podium or get to nationals or whatever the goal is. Because if we don't do that at UCLA and we don't buy in, then we're going to watch other people celebrate the national birth or the the podium every year and we'll never be on that. So it's going to it's going to take a few people um, heading the, the field and say, hey, you, you know, we have to do this and, you know, not be willing to think outside the box, maybe with training a little bit and and start doing some other things that I like to do. And, and yeah, just get the team going. It's going to be it'll be it'll be rough, you know, because I want to be at NCA's. <laughs> I don't know if we'll be there um, this coming fall, but I would sure like to be. But, you know, after that, I, I, I expect everyone to be all aboard and, and wanting to be there with me. You said coaches, obviously you craft stuff to the individual, but also once you're a successful coach, you've created a culture that the individuals also adapt to. And you haven't done that yet at UCLA. So that takes some time, right? Yeah. I mean, the hardest thing is like, I, I just, I like to know the athletes. I like to watch the athletes. That's like a big thing of mine. Um, you know, sometimes my former athletes in Newberry Park joke around with me and they're like, man, you changed things so, so quickly on us. And it's like, well, yeah, because I just, 
you're not ready to do this tonight. Let's, let's do something else. And like, I'll do that with workouts. Now it's not like completely crazy where they never know what they're doing at all. They know what they're doing, but I do like to make sure that, um, I'm coaching and I'm making a decision on the variables that I see ahead of me. And that's what I, I always try to do. Like, you know, in, in examples, like even like with Lex running his 5k last year, where he ran 1343, that was a, a little bit more of last minute. I wasn't quite sure he was ready for the 5k. I didn't know if he, we wanted to put him through such a tall order and go for like, you know, a sub 1350, which I knew he could do. But then once I saw and I, and I understood him and I, as far as like his body language and doing workouts, I'm like, yeah, he's ready. He can do this. And, and I was okay with it and he was okay with it. And the good thing is he trusted me to make the call where he's like, well, if you don't think I should do it, I don't want to do it. And, you know, I, I'll never try to put my athlete in, in a harm's way where I'm like, yeah, you could run 1345 and then you run like 1405 and then they're going to be crushed. So you don't want that to happen either. Yeah. It seemed like everything, the, your guys at Newbury Park this year did went pretty well. It just, the times they ran was crazy. We'll, we'll get to that in uh, one second. Well, I guess they're related to that. So there's no, people are sort of joking. Like there's no announcement that Solomon brothers and young brothers are, are going to go to UCLA. Like, have you even spoken to them about that? Or, I mean, I guess people are speculating like, wow, if, if he brought them in right away, the team would be pretty good. Yeah, they would be. I mean, I think, uh, um, I think where the youngs are at now, they have, they're, they're kind of down to their final decision. So uh, they're pretty early on it. Um, so, so, you know, that, that'll be, that'll be left alone. Um, and you know, they're going to make their decision and, you know, obviously a decision's not made until you leave. <laughs> so you never know what could happen, but no, they're, they're going to, uh, you know, I think they're going to announce pretty soon where, where, where they want to go, um, or where they're going to verbally commit to, but, um, everyone else, you know, and, and Colin's going to NAU. I mean, there's no changing that and it's the right place for him. Um, and you know, Aaron, you know, who knows he's, he's up in the air. He has a few, uh, good places that he, that he's looking at and, I mean, I'm obviously I would I would love to have them all, but that's not that's not the case. I, I'm not gonna, um, you know, try to sneak in there and take something away from something that they have been recruited or doing. You know, I, I you know, with or without them, UCLA is going to be fine. Um, but if any of them are interested, it, it, it's always an open door, of course, and and that goes for any of my athletes that I think could run at that level. Yeah, um, um, it it sounds like you're not really, you know going to push them or pursue them that hard but you know them well and they got to make the, the decision that's right for them right i guess looking back at this talent it's crazy because like your fifth and sixth guy or would be the number one guy in most high schools but i the way i look at it as an outsider i think of like the, the sort of big four this year the, the two young brothers and the solomon brothers and then nico Nico was was viewed as one of the greatest high school runners of all time, individual national champion. The what eight seven fifty six three k, and as I said in the intro, Lex as a junior is one second off in the three k, faster in the mile. He's run thirteen forty three for five k, and he's what your second or third runner in your team this year. Colin was definitely the number one all year, and you, you've caused you know more. I don't know what the right word is. Um, attention on let's run. You said that Lex and Leo, you thought they could run 13 in the 1320s right now, which is crazy. Galen Rupp's record is what? 1337. Yeah. I mean, that's I, when I, when I made that statement, which was, I think a couple of days ago, I mean, 
what I mean by it is like they're able to run that this year. Maybe not currently right now on the track. I don't even know if Nico could run 1320s right now with training. But no, they, they are absolutely um, – I, I don't know if if Leo will focus on that 5K, but I, I think Lex will definitely give a one or two stabs at it um, in the spring. And what I meant by that was like the goal for him is to break his brother's national junior record because Nico's got the junior record, uh, the under-20 record of – 1324 he did it at drake a couple years ago as a freshman um and he's definitely capable of breaking that this year just seeing where he's at and the stuff that he's been doing stuff that that we've been doing at altitude it's all still a build-up and the and the great thing is if you know if if tanya and steve my two assistants at newberry park when i was there are able to continue with the program uh i think the trajectory of these guys running fast will stay pretty much the same. Um, you know, if someone comes in and changes it, then that's that's going to be rough. But th- they're they're staying, right? They're taking over. Is that? Yeah, right now, right now they're listed as uh, interim head coaches. Um, you know, so yeah, so that I just think you know that's th- there's n- nothing's ever 100, percent I guess, but that's the plan. Um, you know, and that would be that would be the best for the kids because that's what obviously I think they want. Um, and they want to keep everything the same and it will keep everything, uh, tight knit. And it, yeah, it's just, it, it'll keep everything where it needs to be, especially having such a, a good group of guys and girls, especially the guys this year, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty phenomenal. It'll be hard to, uh, you know, with Lex, Leo, Aaron, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, and Aaron Solomon, Hector, a bunch of other guys that are really, really, I mean, Aaron Cantu, Hector, Dave Doshi, those guys are going to be one heck of a crew in, in the top seven. So, you know, they're ranked number one right now. So we, they want to make, make sure they keep that. I don't know how high school administrators work, but it would seem to be crazy to change anything, especially when your assistant coach, it's both your assistants, one who's your wife, wants to stay and continue to lead the program. I think the year could be historical. And at the dinner table, right? You'd still probably give a little, little you know, your wife might ask you a few questions, right? Yeah, I mean, she has a, she has the same philosophy as me, so that that'll be good. <laughs> um, you know, I think yeah, I think delivery is important, of course. Like, I do think there's an importance factor of uh, having a presence at a workout. So, and unfortunately, I won't be there for that. Um, but I I think that's a big part of it. I think that's underrated um, at all levels. I think a lot of I'm not a fan of a coach that never watches his athletes. Um, I think that's extremely underrated. I think that like you have to be there in order to be the best coach, um, you know, to give an athlete training for the next two months um, to be his best, I think is really, I couldn't do it because I'd probably change like 20 things if I was actually there for the better. So that's why I think it's important to be there. My coach, the kind of let's run coaching guru, John Kellogg, I think he's a genius. He can design workouts like anybody, but there is something missing when the person's not there observing you. They can tweak things. It's not just a computer program. And, but, and I, I swear by his workouts and they made me a tremendous runner, but I'm like, it wasn't the whole package. There was a little bit, you know, part of the equation was missing. Yeah, I've definitely given workouts before to the, to the guys and girls. And I've been like, wow, this is, this, I, they can't do this. I, I'm going to have to chill. <laughs> like, I'm like, we're going to have to put some more rest on this and change this around because it's just, it, it, it doesn't play out like I think. But then other times it's like, wow, this is pretty easy. They, they were great in that. And so I think that's part of it though. You know, I mean, I, I've been 
probably quoted for saying this, but I think basketball coaches are brilliant because they change constantly. They're constantly changing things and on the fly. And like, I think you should do that. I, I know running is different, but it's still the same. You, you, you should actually coach. I mean, that's what I think uh, coaching is, but you know, it's a combination of everything. The athletes trust, the coaches trust, and everyone doing it together. And so back to the youngs, comparing the youngs, I don't know if you want to do this, but do you ever compare the athletes to one another? We used to joke, I think, when Nico was a senior, oh, his brothers will be better than him. And it was sort of like a joke, but kind of, uh, I'm identical twins, so I'm partial to twins. But now I'm like, they may be better. And then I'm like, wait, the Solomons could be even better than them. So like, do you ever... I guess I'll ask you, you don't have to do it. Do you want to rank the athletes for me or their strengths and weaknesses? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, you, between the youngs, you mean the, the youngs and the Salmons, all, all those just of the four, does anyone stand out or they're all super. And a testament to what you've done, right? Nico young people are like, Oh, he got good genes at Newberry park. There is no, okay. Yeah. You may have, it helps to have two families with great genes, but there's no way that in the history of high school running, it just happened that the two greatest genes just dropped onto Newberry Park. That's unfair to you. But when, when you evaluate these talents, or as I, and maybe stuff changes as an 18-year-old high school kid, do you, do you think, oh, wow, this guy's way better, or you don't know where their careers are going to be five years from now, or they're just all at that level? I guess, what differentiating characteristics do you see between them? Yeah, I mean, well, I, I said this, I think when I did the podcast with, with you guys last time um, here at Let's Run, I, I, I made a statement and I, I'm standing by it. Nico Young will be, I think, will be an NCAA 10K champion. Um, once he runs that 10K, he, he is built for that. To me, he reminds me, um, he is a very good, um, like, I think he's really um, close to like a Galen Rupp type thing, where I think maybe he's a little faster foot speed. I don't know. But like, I think, because I think people underestimate Nico's how fast he is. I mean, he did run 337 this year. Um, here in 13, 11. And, and, you know, if he runs a 10 K next year, I'm sure it's going to be one heck of a, a 10 K if, if they decide to do that with him. But I think he is ultimately built for that 10 K and that's where his future is where, um, you know, I think Lex too, I think Lex is similar to that, but I think Leo is going to be more in that 15 and five K range. And, and Colin could probably stick around that 1500 for quite a bit of time because, you know, when there was a the big, you know, debate of who's the best high school. And I think everybody wanted Colin and, and um, uh, Gary Martin to run against each other. And Gary Martin's a phenomenal athlete. And, and uh, I mean, uh, 357, I think he ran uh, really, really great. But like Colin's hard to outkick. Like if you, if you, if you want to take time away and you want to you, you want to win a race and you want someone who could win NCAA championships at a 1500, that's Colin Solomon. I mean, Colin Solomon, is, he's gifted that way and he's able to do stuff that like people can't do in races and it's, it's pretty insane. So I think that's where his talent lies. Eventually Colin will probably be a 5k guy. If he decides to run professionally, uh, that would be my guess, just knowing them and their, and their, um, you know, physical makeup, but you know, Aaron Solomon likes the 800. So we kind of let him do that. But ultimately he's a miler, probably a 5k guy. Cause you know, he ran a 3k at a, in the armory in New York. And the only reason why he ran that was because we couldn't get him in the mile because it was kind of like a semi-professional field. And he hadn't had a fast enough time as a sophomore in high school. But Leo um, decided not to run the 3K. He was having some tendonitis issues. So we put Aaron in his place and they let me do it. And then he ran 801. 
So I think ultimately Aaron Solomon is going to be a 15-5 if he wants to be. But, you know, I do believe in developing speed. And so if he wanted to stick around that 800 for a while, I think it's great. Same thing what I love about what Mike Smith does. I mean, his guys all run 1500s under 340 and ultimately they're five and 10K guys. I think that's like a, a brilliant way to, to, to develop somebody, uh, you know, the right way as they get um, through their college career. But there is a difference between them all. Um, you know, it's hard to rank them one. I definitely probably have one that I think can be the ultimate pro runner and, and be great, but I don't know. I don't want to reveal that name. I, I had a, a, a college coach once asked me, just out of the youngs, they go, who, who's, who's the best young? Who do you think is going to be the best one in the future? I was like, I can't say that. I don't want to say that, but they're all, they're all, they all have an opportunity to be great college and professionals if they want, I think. You need to put in like one of those bottles and like one of those time capsules and bury it or something. And 10 years from now, reveal it. It's actually, I actually like to do like stuff like that. Like with a lot of my guys in races, I like, we joke and sometimes I'll write times down and be like, this is what I feel like they're going to run. And they come pretty close. Like when Colin ran, they both ran the open race sound running and Colin ran 339 and Lex ran 1343. I actually, I mean, just because you could tell from workouts what they're ready for. I actually predicted Lex would run 1345 and I said Colin would run 13 would run 339 and he did. So it was pretty close, but I think it's not that hard when you're with them every day and you see them run and you see them do all this stuff. Um, it's pretty cool. Colin, I think would have broke the national 5k record the 1337, but we couldn't find him one because we wanted to put him in at Mount Sac and CIF wouldn't allow us because CIF Southern section said that it was a college race, which it wasn't. And uh, Allison Felix did it in high school and a bunch of other people. It was the open race, but they clearly didn't want him to run. So he didn't run. So it didn't happen. Don't get me started on high school administrators. Yeah. But (laughs) I guess the Ingebrigtsons, they're a family of success. Seeing what Jakob Ingebrigtsen's done, does that ever make you kind of project ahead? Like what the Youngs and Salmons could do or, or... Jerry, have you just been more focused on the immediate of, you know, getting your guys ready for college? I mean, both, you know, the the whole goal for me as a high school coach was to make sure that they were prepared for college um, and then they can go to the next level. I I loved when people would say that Nico was just going to burn out and he wasn't going to run well in college. The whole point of it, of, I feel like the training is to get him prepared that He's not a guy that runs 35 miles a week. You know, to me, when you get a guy who's like, I run 30 miles a week and I run 408, I'm like, well, great. Now it's going to take you three years to get used to college level training where it like where the Ingelbritsons, you know, it's a, it's a gradual progression. And I feel like that's what my goal is with all my guys, with Jace Ashburner, who goes to Colorado, with Nico that went to, you know, goes to NAU with Lex and Leo, wherever they go with Aaron Salmon, uh, wherever he goes. So it's a good progression, but I do like the model of the Ingelbritsons that they're kind of with the same coach or group, and it's a, a it, it may, it's a clear progression all the way. You know that's why I think it's important to pick the right school because the youngs could pick a school that yeah they might run a little like fast, but it's not going to be the best for their for their running. Who knows? You know, and the same thing could happen with Colin. You know, obviously I'm very happy with. Um, Colin and, and Nico, I, I think NAU for Newberry Park is a really good transition. It, it makes sense, but it doesn't mean that's where the, all the athletes are going to go. And that's why it's hard. I, I think a lot of 
blue chip athletes in high school sometimes pick the wrong school. You know, it doesn't mean that they're not going to run fast, but it's like they might pick a school academically and that's great. That's what their focus is. But if you don't pick the right school ac- athletically, then you might, it, it's not, it, it just wasn't the right fit. You got, it, it, there is a right fit, I think for certain people. So it's, it's hard to find that. It sounds like, well, maybe not. I'm now thinking they're all going to NAU. I'm trying to read between yeah, the things, but yeah, well, I won't take up too much of your, more of your time, but I guess, what are you most proud of at Newberry Park? Um, I mean, most proud of would be just, you know, taking a program that, you know, hadn't won a state meet, hadn't really gone to the state championships um, at all, and just, you know, putting it on the map and like, it's pretty cool to go to races and everybody is acknowledging the guys and then the girls too, for being a really good program and, and doing some great things and just, you know, making these kids believe, like, I I like to think that I help contribute to like, you you know, them having an opportunity that they might not have had if we didn't create this atmosphere. Now it's not just me, it's everybody involved, but I think that it, it's pretty cool to, at the end of the day, watch all these guys get even scholarships and go to college and, you know, Nico run well. And it's just the whole collaboration of everything. And I have kids that don't even run in college that still run now that I coach that it's pretty cool too. You know, I'm not going to lie and pretend that, you know, I want to be a recreational coach. I don't, I love coaching at a high elite level. So I just, it, it's pretty cool to see kids. Um, you know, I, I like all levels in high school and, and I, and I love doing it, but my ultimate passion is to see people like, I want to see people win NCAA championships now. So I'm excited for that. As a high school coach, we don't see it, but your coach, you have a JV. You have the guy wanting to break through and be, the, I mean, your seventh guy is probably really good. Yeah. The, the, the soft freshman who wants to maybe, oh, like as a junior, maybe I can make the varsity. And you're coaching those guys. You're seeing their improvement. As a human being, as a coach, that's got to be rewarding. But at the yeah, same time, I- yeah. I too would want to coach in state champions and see that. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I mean, I have guys that, you know, or girls that break 21 minutes for three miles for the first time that are excited. And that's pretty cool. It is. That's cool too. You know, I mean, but the one thing I always said about what I like to do is like, I want that. I want the same attitude from that kid as I do the girl that runs 1645 for 5k, like, you know, Sam McDonald who broke uh, 16 minutes for three miles. Like, that's what I want. Like, I want them to have the same work ethic. And I get high school, you're not always going to get that. Some kids, it's a social thing. It's, they get in PE credit. There's a whole bunch of factors. But I think in college, it's a little different. I know there might be some athletes that say, oh, I just want to go to this school. I'm happy. But I want people, I want to help recruit people that want to be the best athlete they can be and be at the NCAA championship doing some great things. And if they move on from there that's great too but that that's what i want to do and have you reached out to some college coaches since getting this job i know like scott simmons was your coach and a good mentor and he's a good college coach but are there things you think you need to do differently at college because i mean it's a different level of running recruiting is a big deal like what are is there anything i guess you think it's going to be a tougher challenge in college or you need to do differently to succeed at this next level? Yeah. I mean, obviously, I mean, I I think simply is is, obviously I got to figure out all the rules and stuff that I can do and not do and, and and how that works. But 
Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to be too hard of a learning curve. You know, I'm going to dive in, I've been diving into that stuff right away, trying to figure all this stuff out. But, um, you know, that some, I, you know, the coaches that I talk to regularly have all reached out and been really nice. You know, Mike Smith was like, Hey, any questions about anything, just give me a call, you know, training, you know, you have ideas about stuff, anything. So that's great to have someone like that. And then some of my other college coaching friends too, same type of thing. Um, they've all been really supportive and, and, you know, pretty, pretty stoked by it. So I think, no, I, I don't think it's going to be too crazy. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to just do what I have to do. I mean, I've already, um, you know, drove to LA and I already checked out new training spots. I'm going back tomorrow and I'm going to make sure that, you know, we have soft surfaces and if we have to do whatever we have to do, if it's vans, transporting people, whatever it is, um, I'm committed to doing it. I, I told the kids on the, um, I told the, the athletes on the, the UCLA athletes that is on a, a zoom call last night, I said, listen, I'm, I'm hundred percent committed. Like whatever you want, whatever you think I'm going to do, I'm going to try to do more because that's, that's my commitment. And I think that's the only way you can get a program to be a pretty amazing. Yeah. Have you heard from Meb? I have not. I got a, a congratulatory, like um, his brother, uh, his brother, Howie sent me a, a, like a message kind of on, on, on Twitter, but not like formally, I guess, but um, I actually thought about reaching out to Matt though. Um, I just thought about that because I think it would be pretty cool. So maybe it, I, I think it'd be great to have a conversation with them. Um, number one, because he's met, but number two, just because he is, con- I mean, they have this little like trophy room thing at UCLA um, of all the awards and about a history of the of sports and, you know, women's sports, men's sports, and like the the great coaches that have been there um, from basketball and football and and track and then they have like they have like a set of mebs like racing shoes and this like little shrine things <laughs> it's pretty cool to see but i i definitely am going to try to reach out to him um as soon as i can if if he'll have a conversation with me i'll be excited well yeah i feel like there's a big family at ucla right like even reading like bob larson's book or him just i feel like there, there's a lot of there's so much history at the school and i think I don't know, all the ex-Bruins want the current Bruins to do well. And I mean, Meb showed you can be very successful as a distance runner at UCLA. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. Like you look at, there, there's programs. I mean, like I know some people like, oh, there's nowhere to run. There's places to run. There's place. I, I mean, I, I know LA well. Um, you know, I'm not that far from there. So it's not a big of a deal for me to go and check things out. But there, there's places to run. There's things to do. I mean, you got to think outside the box. Not everything's going to be perfect at any school. I mean, maybe... If you have a school that has trails in your backyard and you have a cross country course to work out on, that's great. But man, we did it at Newberry Park and like, you know, we don't have, everyone thinks we have the best facilities in the world. And, you know, we're too, we have tons of trails, but they're too, you know, we got to drive to them. So we were able to get uh, permission to, you know, start workouts and practices elsewhere, not on school grounds, just to make sure that they, they stayed, you know, healthy and ran on good, good surfaces and good parks. Otherwise, if we ran from the school, it would have been terrible. And like, you just got to be willing to put the time in and whatever we have to do, I'm going to try to do it. And and if I can, I can, but there's always going to be stuff holding us back. I don't know. I mean, Georgetown is probably not a great place to run and they, and they, they seem to have a pretty good history over the years. So maybe, you know, Boston can't be, I don't know, maybe I'll get in trouble saying that, but is there anywhere to run in Boston? It's like all pavement. So I don't know. On the grass next to the river. It's funny as an outsider, I think of LA is a good place to run because you got great weather. I'm like, there's gotta be parks up in the hills or something. I don't, Griffith Park, I think, is the largest park in any city. I th- I'm, don't quote me on that, but it's some weird statistic like that. I mean, I know when people spend time in LA, like Will Lear runs in Griffith Park a lot, and 
when he comes down. I think he has family out here or did at one point. Um, no, Griffith Park is huge. Tons of trails, places to work out, huge grass fields. You better believe we're going to be there. People can make fun of it, but we'll, they'll see. We'll, 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 get it, we'll get it done. Well, con- congratulations. It's hard to believe that you had to prove people wrong and let's run, but once you get to the top of anything, people come after you and you definitely proved them wrong. Oh, Nico Young's going to burn out. Oh, he can't keep up the success. It kept getting better and better. And I know college is a, it's a different challenge on its own, but I, I wish you the best of luck. I, I guess ending, were the current athletes, were they sad to see you go? What did they say to you? I, I, I know like you said timing's everything. And I think you kind of, this opportunity comes up, you'd be stupid not to take it. But the current athletes on the team, what have they said to you? Wh- what have you told them? Yeah, it, it was, it was actually a little hard. You know, the, the first, the first two I told were the youngs, um, they, they knew before my announcement, it was hard because UCLA wanted to really plan the announcement of this very specific. It was like 1205 on Monday, you know, they're going to tell their team who their coach is. I'm going to tell my kids, but some of my kids knew a little early cause I knew they could keep it quiet. Although people were suspecting it and texting me and asking me, um, cause I know how that goes, but, um, it was a little hard. I wrote an email to everybody on my team, parents, kids, after I had my meeting yesterday at 12 noon with them, Pacific time, I was going to go home and send it out to anyone who couldn't make the meeting. Some JV kids couldn't make it or kids that were away, you know, it's summertime, it's high school. So I sent the email out and I just wrote it really quick. And I remember I was like telling my wife, I said, Hey, this is my email. Um, I'll read it to you. And I, I couldn't get through it. It was hard. It was actually really hard to read it and say like, wow, like I'm actually leaving because I think it's been like a huge part of my life. It always will be. So it was tough. It was tough telling the Youngs and the Salmons, but they all understood. And I think, I think it was the right choice. I really believe it's like you can't dwell on the past and um, they'll be okay. You know, this team's going to be really good. They, with Tanya and Steve, they're going to they're gonna be in good hands, but it was hard to tell them. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to do it, but I had to do it. And, but now, you know, thinking about it, talking to the UCLA men and women, I'm excited. It, it's, it's, it's the right choice. Yeah. You and your wife don't have kids yet, right? We do not. No, we have cats, <laughs> no kids, you know, but like a, a, a cross country team, high school, college, it's like family. So it's hard to, I don't know, breaking up's the right word, but now you're starting a new family essentially with UCLA and it's hard to, it would be hard to leave. It's hard for a kid to graduate and leave, right? I mean, that's tough on its own. But having to say good- goodbye to such great success, yeah, it's not supposed to be easy, right? I mean, it's one of these things in life. You have a great opportunity, you need to go take it, but if it was easy, I don't know. That wouldn't be life, I think. I think sometimes it's a weird dynamic when you could leave when the team, when, when you're on the top. I, I, I think it's, I've always, I don't know who he was. I forgot who it was. There's some football player that played for Green Bay. I, I, someone probably knows out there. And I remember him saying after they won the Super Bowl at one time, he's like, I'm, you know, this is the perfect time to retire when you're on top. And it's like, it's kind of cool. I'm not retiring. I'm, I have another challenge for sure. But it, it but it is kind of, it's kind of nice, you know. I mean, I, I wish the, you know, the girls were national champs too. I never got a chance to do that. But hey, who knows? Maybe, maybe UCLA girls can, can, can cover that void. <laughs> And I think it's kind of cool you left. Some people leave when the cupboards dry. This year could be the best year ever. Right. So I think I think it's sort of cool you left them with 
a lot of ammo in, in, in the gun, essentially. And I, Bill Russell, you know, just died. And I was reading, I, did, I mean, amazing guy, amazing career. And I didn't realize, like, I guess Red, Red Arbrook left and Bill Russell just started coaching and won a couple titles while coaching and playing the same year. But he didn't wait to leave until they were on the decline. He left them at the top and that enabled them to have tremendous success after him. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like NAU did the same thing, didn't it? Was it Coach Hayes who was there left and then Mike took it over and they won? Isn't that how that worked? I think. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Good luck at UCLA. Good luck to your old team at Newbury Park. It'll be exciting. And uh, new challenges are great. So thanks for joining us. Awesome. Yeah, I was, I was glad to be here. Appreciate it. And coaches, high schoolers listening to this, remember, Koros is a GPS watch you need to use. They have a training hub for coaches, teams. The watches start at 199 bucks. That's not some low-end model. That's you can get the LA Kipchoge edition for 199 bucks. Lightest GPS watch out there. Coros.com. Use code Let's Run for a free accessory with purchase.